Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Ryan Nolan. We're going to talk about his recent book, Spotting Fakes, where he's got, uh, I think, 50 examples of frequently faked cards and how you can tell them apart. Again, a real service to the hobby at a young age. I, I love that. Enjoyed talking to him. Hope you'll enjoy listening in on our conversation. But thanks, sponsors. Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Suckers and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So... Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, YouTubers. Anybody that's catching this from anywhere, check out Ryan on his various channels and keep up the good work, young man. Tell us about your book, Spotting Fakes. Yeah, Spotting Fakes. Last year, I actually got burned at a card show. And growing up, I knew there was fake cards. One of the things that my dad always told me, and I was primary baseball focused. I also did a little bit of football as well, but that was my dad's expertise. He knew 50s through 70s baseball, super expert on that, could tell you every single player, years, all that type of stuff. Football, really good as well. So that's like what the cards that we bought most of the time. Also dabbled in modern too. But growing up, I knew that the Pete Rose was super highly faked. Never buy that card raw unless you know exactly what to look for. I knew the Gretzky rookie really faked as well. I knew the Michael Jordan 86 Fleer. I knew the, the Jordan rookie as a star card as well. Highly fake cards. Obviously your Gaudi, Ruth's and Gehrig's were fake and don't ever buy a raw Tito 6 Honest Wagner because there's no way someone's going to sell you that card. That was to my extent of knowledge of fake sports cards. One day I went to the Bay Area card show and I wanted to get a Mario Lemieux rookie card because I knew Lemieux was a top five hockey player of all time. I didn't have a representation in my PC. His cards were expensive at the time. So I was looking for maybe something raw or maybe something from a three, four, five range. And I saw a card that presented well, but it had an edge issue. Someone hit it against the desk and it wasn't going to grade high, but like 90% of the card looked great. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go pick up this card. It was only a hundred dollars. So I thought, okay, no one's going to fake a hundred dollar Mario Lemieux card. It looks pretty nice overall. I'm going to buy the card. Well, I go home, we make the vlog and post it on YouTube. And a few people reached out privately and said, hey, I don't want to be that person, but I think that Mario Lemieux card you bought is fake. There's no way someone faked a Mario Lemieux card. No, but there's a reverse psychology. I mean, to make it, to ding it probably uh, makes it seem more authentic. It's stressed on purpose. But how could your friend tell from a photo or a scan, uh, a jeweler's loop or something to detect uh, a dot pattern or something? So what was the telltale sign? Yeah, actually the telltale sign was the eye on the Penguins logo. There's a big difference between the real one and the fake one, and also the border on it, and also the bottom. So on the real ones, the C is bold, the borders are bold, but even just looking from far away, you could just tell it was off between how the penguin looked, the C, and the borders going across. What I did is I loaded up a real example on Photoshop on one side. I had the example of the card that I purchased, and I put them side by side. I was like, I bought a fake card. So I reached out to the organizer of the show, trying to get this person's contact information. And I found out this dealer was not from Florida. He actually flew in from Chicago. I said, I don't have this person's contact info, but luckily ran into him again at the Dallas card show. We got the whole situation squared away, but that was a big red flag in my mind. I'm like, man, I've been collecting cards since I was a kid and I didn't know the Marlo Mew had a fake rookie card out there. How many other people that are brand new to the hobby within the last few years have no idea about fakes out there? So I started researching every single week, trying to figure out what cards were fake. As I was learning, I would make YouTube videos for people as well, showing them how you can tell a Gretzky card is fake. Here's how you can tell a Jordan card is fake. Here's how you can tell a Gaudi card is fake. And going to the card shows as well, I talked to a lot of dealers. They showed me examples of fakes. I have a few examples of fakes on me. Not all of them let me keep them, but 
I learned a lot talking to people, traveling, being able to see copies in person. As I was documenting it on YouTube videos, I was also writing a book on the side. So that way that there's a physical edition that people can bring to card shows or wherever else and have that example there with both a real picture and a fake picture with a checklist on what to look for. And it saved quite a few people. The card that surprised me the most that's been out there selling is the Kobe Ovations from 2000. I put it in my top 50 list of fake cards, but that card has popped up so many times at card shows. I've seen fakes in Florida multiple times. I've seen fakes also in Dallas at multiple different card shows. I was there at a table when a dealer ended up trying to get a refund from someone because they bought a fake version of that. And another YouTube friend of mine called me actually this weekend showing me the card is, hey, is this real or fake? Someone brought it to my table. And of course, is the fake edition. The, yeah, I've, there's two kinds of detection of fakes. There's what's detectable by touch. If I feel a fake Gaudi or a fake uh, T206, I can tell by the feel because I've handled enough of them, 50s cards, stuff like that. But most of what you're talking about is stuff that's by sight. The card was rescreened, but my fear, Ryan, is that as the counterfeiters get better and more sophisticated, they're the ones, not the only ones buying your book, but they're buying your book and saying, we've either got to move on to some other cards, or we've got to be in a situation where we're improving our counterfeiting technique. And so I hope the counterfeiters get caught and uh, have enough of a deterrent in the punishment that they're not just giving money back and saying, I'm sorry, but they're, they're put out of business or they ought to be innocent until proven guilty. But if they are proven guilty, there ought to be a deterrent as a punishment that they well, we're going to move on to something else. Yeah. So I agree with you on that. I also talk about other detection methods like you're talking about with touch. I teach people how to use a black light. I also teach people on how you can put a flashlight to a card, looking at the opacity, talk about much more ink patterns as well in there. So the whole goal of the book is not only just to show the 50 examples of cards, but also to educate you and have that encyclopedia there where like 10, 15 different methods to look at a card, whether it's detections of how the fake actually looks like compared to a real or looking at the cardboard stock of it. There's much more to it. Okay. PSA has a 6 million card backlog. BGS has a million or two, or they did. How many of those, do you think one-tenth of 1% of those are counterfeit? I, I would mean, think you're, so. Your numbers guy, that's what I'm thinking. If it's one out of a thousand, let's say. And in some of the cards you're talking about that are more expensive and worth faking, it may be higher than that. So here's the way I look at it. If PSA has 6 million cards and one out of a thousand is counterfeit. That means 6,000 out of 6 million. And if one out of a thousand gets by PS, that's counterfeit. So if there's 6,000 counterfeits, is it possible that they're 99.9% .9 correct, which would mean six counterfeits got through out of the 6 million cards? Do you follow my math? You want to push back from that? Because six Jordan rookies that are fake, that are slabbed, and whether it's BGS, SGC, CSG, PSA, not picking on any one, but what do you think? Yes. Yeah, so I think the grading companies, a lot of them now have safety checks within their systems. I know PSA just bought a 3D scanning company so they can digital fingerprint. You can be able to detect the real, the cardboard stock, detect also the, to determine if a card is real or fake before sending it off to the grader to look at another step of authenticity as well as what numerical grade it is. I think a lot of the startups, there would be a lot more issues. I do see some fakes going through systems, but what that happens is super niche cards now there are some, I'm sure, alterations that do pass by. I think that's more common than the fakes getting in slaps. But my big concern right now, more than anything, even like a grading company messing up, is it does happen. We're all human. 
is the fake slabs because there's people now that are pawning off fake slabs at card shows. And I can't talk too much about it until the whole situation is solved just because of what's happening. But there's people that are passing off fake slabs in California, Texas, Florida, and Pennsylvania, and has been confirmed. Well, and you're traveling around all these shows, but basically my concern is just when you catch somebody, you go back to their table and you say, you know what, I bought this or my friend bought this. I looked in the book or I've analyzed it or I took it by the the BGS booth and they said, this looks not good. What does the dealer say that's behind the table? He says, oh gosh, I I had no idea. I got it from somebody else. So how do you put the blame on somebody when they can easily pass the buck unless they keep being in the wrong place at the wrong time with a bad I think there's two sides of it. Number one, the honesty of a dealer. Uh, Looking at from the dealer perspective, you might have to take that loss if you want to have customers for life and be reputable. You don't want to be known as a dealer that sold a fake and isn't refunding someone because that will get you blacklisted or have a negative eye within the community. If it's the same dealer doing it over and over again, people kind of figure things out. It was the same people that were passing off the fake slabs at all these different card shows. And that's why we saw the one arrest video when that happened at Dallas. There was multiple other people that recognize those figures and were able to line up certification numbers. They're just getting sophisticated enough that they don't make the deals too good to be true. That they is true. Because if you have a Wagner and you say, I got this Wagner, it's not in very good shape. I just want a hundred bucks for it. And it's in a it's in a PSA slab or something. It could be half a Wagner and it'd be worth half a million bucks almost. So they're smart enough to know, don't make it too good of a deal, but make it a deal. And, yep. Uh, and that did happen. It was I like 30% that. off of comps or 20% off of comps for some of the Jordan fakes that they're passing through. Yeah, that's crazy. So I hope your book sells. How many collectors are there? There's millions of collectors. So maybe your book will sell millions of copies. We'll and that'd be nice. I can get a big PC off of that one. Uh, I love it. Do you have any authentic cards in your uh, collection? Do you look down on an A grade? I don't look down at A grade because at least my own opinion, there's some cards that have been around from the 1800s. For example, like some Alan Ginter's in 1887. People back then might trim off the Allen and Ginter advertisement and there's nothing wrong with against that card. For example, I've seen a few times there's a Cap Anson Allen and Ginter that has the bottom cut off. Okay. It's not a bad card because someone in the 1800s or early 1900s wanted to cut that off for a scrapbook or didn't appreciate the advertising on the card and it gets labeled as authentic. Nothing wrong with it. But I have quite a few A's in my collection. Some of them that I do are some Ogden's. Unfortunately, someone altered them in the past and used a black Sharpie or black ink and colored in the edges, but some of those Ogdens are tougher to find, especially since they're either UK or Australian release and they're cool cards. I make a distinction also between malevolently doctoring, altering a card and not that it was a kid doing the Ogdens or something, but just somebody that was just doing it for aesthetic reasons without thought that they were going to dupe anybody. That's what I'd like to put out of business. The fraudulent kinds of attempts to defraud, to take advantage of somebody. Yeah. And that's where all the, tr- the trimming scandals came from. Like the first Hannes Wagner being trimmed and other people doctoring a lot of tobacco cards. It's really unfortunate because even if that card was a four or five, there's collectors out there that die for that type of stuff. You don't need to trim it to be a seven or an eight. I get people want to make the money on that side of things. And that's where the evil comes from it. People are looking at that as a way to make extra money buying a four, trimming it and upgrading it. But there's so many other ways to make money in this hobby and it ruins the card for people in the future. I get called from BGS occasionally because I'm I'm still the B in BGS, but I'm, I'm not on the payroll or anything, but I care about the brand. I care about those guys. And so they'll send me images or I've actually been down there occasionally because I don't live that far away, but they'll just send me a, an image of a card that we got a bunch of these in. What do you think? And 
I ask them a couple of questions. I say, was this person ever submitted to you before? If they say no, strike one. I say, what else was included in that submission? Nothing else, just this card, strike two. And then number three, I just say, you know, I've been in the hobby for almost my whole life. I've been to every national. I've never seen this card. And so I'm very suspicious. Now, they can say they got it from their grandmother or their grandfather or something like that. But I hate to say it, but I think grading companies, if in doubt, they, they should not certify as authentic and, and put a grade on something that they can't really stand behind. I, I know they want to do that. So hopefully your book will put, not pressure, but just will elevate the game of uh, people recognizing that there are fakes out there. And you need to be aware. It's caveat emptor, buyer beware. Yeah. And I think it definitely has helped people and I hope it will continue. Who knows where I'll be another three or four years, maybe writing an update to it based well, off could of what be. happens. I mean, I hope a, a new update is not necessary because they've been stopped in their tracks. Here's what's insidious. I shouldn't say this for the crooks, but I've bought some collections that are from people over the years. If there's a whole bunch of 86, 87 FLIR cards and all of them are authentic, except there's one that looks a little queasy. It's the Jordan. And it's the Jordan. Okay. But the fact that they have these other cards in the set along with it, it backfires on them because when they're side by side, sometimes that's how you can really tell. That's why my BGS guys, they say, do you have an exemplar of this card? And if I say no, if I'd ever seen one, I would have bought one at the first national or whatever. But the fact that there's no exemplar gives the the counterfeiters some license. On the other hand, after they sell one, what are you going to have? 10 of them, 20 of them, 50 of them of a rare card that's nobody's seen. I guess that's why when you're going to all these different shows, they're going to put one in the Dallas market, one in the Florida market, one into Wisconsin, one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast. And Ryan, you might be there and, and, and be able to tell somebody because you're, you're going to wind up being an authority. The sad thing is too, we're talking about one or two. These crooks aren't that smart. Some of them are dropping like five or six at the same show. Yeah. The only thing good about that is that makes it instead of petty larceny, grand larceny. Yep. Because the, the money will add up to where hopefully it'll get the attention of some of the authorities. The man in the house of cards. The man-